Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's hard-hitting Axis Arrows. Learn more about Easton's cutting-edge and fused carbon arrow technology today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Berg. Hello and welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting and uh, as always we're glad that you've taken some of your time to be with us today and uh, get some information to hopefully help you be a better uh, archer and bow hunter out there in the field. Today uh, it is just about the first of April and uh, spring is finally arriving and despite some lingering cold weather uh, there are some hints of uh, uh, springtime in the northern half of uh, the U.S. and I know that after a hard winter uh, everybody is eager for spring's arrival and probably nobody is more eager than the guest that I have for today's show uh, who is Jeffrey Braun. Jeff is the co-owner with his wife Cindy of AMS Bowfishing uh, and Jeff, I'm really glad that you took some time uh, out of your busy schedule to be here today on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Sure, no problem. Glad to be here. Jeff, uh, I'm going to guess that springtime is is an eagerly anticipated season at AMS Bowfishing, not only uh, because it uh, signals a boost in business, but also because you guys have a passion for this sport of bowfishing and some opportunities are just around the corner here. Oh, definitely. Um, we're, you know, we still have ice in our area here, and uh, everyone's watching it day by day to see when we can get on the water and start shooting some fish. But there are plenty of areas throughout the country that where people are already starting to, or have started shooting fish, and um, we're seeing a lot of big, big state record fish coming in already. Um, you know, a guy in Mississippi a few weeks ago shot a 90-pound big head carp, which is a pending Mississippi state record, and another. Another one in uh, Illinois uh, shot a, a pending state record gar. So wow. people are out there shooting fish already. Now you're up in Wisconsin, and uh, like you said, it's still pretty cold up there. But I guess that is one of the neat things about bow fishing is that uh, if you're willing to travel, there's always some somewhere right with a good bow fishing opportunity. There's really no off season if you if you want to make a point of uh, scheduling a trip for yourself. Right, you can you can find some place throughout the country to to bowfish any time of the year. Um, even up in Wisconsin here, there's there's times um, in, in the winter we can shoot fish in open areas of water. Um, you know, it doesn't happen every year, but um, that does it does occasionally happen. But there's always places like Florida, Texas, and and anywhere that in the south that you can bowfish. Um, the water doesn't freeze up there. There's still fish in the water. Um, but typically springtime is the time for bow fishing because, um, you know, the fish are pre-spawn or they're working into the spawn, which means they're, they're coming in bigger numbers in the, in the shallow areas and, and spawning, spawning areas. And, um, it usually means bigger fish because their fish are full of eggs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's obviously a, a pretty wide variety of potential targets in the sport of bow fishing, both in freshwater and saltwater. But I guess there's not really any doubt that the that the number one, you know, species that's pursued by bow fishermen is is carp. And like you said, uh, springtime does signal the 
uh, spawning time for carp, and that's that is kind of the prime season to find the larger fish, kind of uh, in the shallow areas, and, and they make prime targets of themselves at that time of the year. Correct? Oh, exactly. Yes, and uh, you know if you can hit a if you can hit a spawn, a real good hard spawn, um, there'll be fish literally slapping alongside your boat, and it can be a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of shooting. And, um, again, the big fish, you know, some areas produce bigger fish than others, but, um, typically in the spring of the year is when you get the big females coming in the shallows to, to spawn. And, um, you know, and like you said, there are a lot of opportunities out there, but common carp is probably the number one target, but any species of carp, really buffalo carp, um, and now the new Asian species that people hear about, the big head carp is one of them. Those get to be, like I said before, um, they can get up to 90 to 100 pounds. Um, those are unbelievable sized fish, but um, you know those are a new species to shoot, um, as well as the silver carp. And those are the ones that jump out of the water and get probably get more publicity than than any of the carp, um, just because of what they do. Um, but those are fair game for bow fishermen, and and the DNR and the biologists really are glad to see people taking them out of the water because they really are taking over our our riverways and in our bodies of water in the u.s yeah that uh those those flying fish those asian carp as you said uh, i guess really the the illinois river is sort of the epicenter for for that sort of game there where probably uh those who watch outdoor television have seen you know an episode or two of various uh television personalities bow fishing for those those fish as they launch themselves out of the water uh, as the boat kind of goes up and down the river and you know that is kind of a kind of a cool thing and and you know I guess a, a novelty you know almost in the bow fishing world there's probably no other opportunity quite like that but of course for the for the majority of us who don't live uh, in an area that has that sort of opportunity you know that's not necessarily going to be the bread and butter of our bow fishing but but certainly it probably has helped to increase the visibility of the sport um in addition to you know things such as that what do you attribute the you know the the rise in bow fishing's popularity because i know you guys have seen a a pretty significant increase over the last five to ten years haven't you um yeah bow fishing has been continually growing and and I think I think the Asian carp have have helped it, um, have helped the sport just because of the visibility of it more. Like you said, and um, you know the silver carp really is like you said it's a novelty of the sport. It's not really your traditional type bow fishing, but it makes it visible to people to get into it and um, try it. And and um, actually, to be honest with you, after I've shot at silver carp, I prefer shooting at other carp because. Because they're just—it's more fun shooting at fish in the water, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, but not only that, bow fishing really appeals to a wide variety of people, not just the bow hunter. I mean, I've never been, met a bow hunter that's not interested in in bow fishing. Um, the hang-up for people getting into it is knowledge of it. They don't know where to go or what to do or how to set up. And really, it's fairly—it's really very simple. It's just a little bit different than. In your traditional type bow hunting, where people are very um, in tune to, um, you know, um, arrow grain weights and high poundage bows and things like that. Well, in bow fishing, you can scale down and go to a, you know, an old garage sale bow or 
or and you're shooting heavy arrows, you, know, you don't have to be quite as accurate. I mean, you still have to be accurate to hit fish, but you're shooting at a closer range, typically, and um, you know anybody can do it. Um, and that's and that's the fun of it too, is that it is a sport for anyone, um, women, kids. It's a great sport for kids because there's a lot of shot opportunities on live targets. And even if you're even if it's a slow day, you're out on the water, and who doesn't enjoy being being out on the lake or river and and just enjoying the the outdoors? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to be sitting quiet in a in a tree stand. Absolutely, you know that's something that uh, AMS bow fishing has really you know, focused on for about 24 years since you guys have uh, been around is is offering the basic uh, products that anybody, you know, can get their hands on and, and really get on the water in pretty short order. Let's talk a little bit about the basic gear that you need. Uh, a lot of people, I guess, debate for bow fishing whether a recurve bow is the ideal choice. Some people like compounds. Uh, I'm sure you've done a fair share of, of bow fishing with both, and of course, you guys, as well as some other companies that are out there, are offering now, you know, sort of compounds that are customized for bow fishing. So, when somebody is thinking about getting into it and and they wonder what kind of a bow they need, what would sort of be your advice for um, how to make that decision? Because I'm sure you have experience with all the options. Sure. Um... My advice is, you know, is to to scale down. Not um, some people try to use, you know, their their expensive hunting bows and and sixty seventy pound bows. You don't necessarily need that much draw weight in bow fishing because you're just shooting at a fish. You're typically shooting close range, and you don't really need um, a lot of arrow speed. Um, so. But the best thing, if you want to get into the sport um, economically and cheaply, you can you can look at garage sales or find an old bow that maybe is in the 30 to 50 pound range, and and start with that. Um, the other thing is, if you're using your hunting bow, um, a lot of times your your equipment gets beat up a little bit more in bow fishing. It might get some fish slime on it. Um, you might get some other things that you really don't want to have any kind of scent or whatever when you're hunting in the woods in the fall. Um, so that's another good reason to use an, an older bow or a specific bow fishing bow. Um, most of the bow fishing bows that are available today, we have we have a, a line of five different bows. Um, they uh, they do range from you know up to 50 pounds. Um, we have some youth bows that go down as far as six pounds, and um, that's that's just to get kids involved. I mean, if a kid can draw a bow and shoot an air, shoot a bow, they can bow fish. Um, you know, my kids shot their first fish with with their bow is set at i think eight or ten pounds and they brought fish in the boat with them so any anyone can do it um so that's what i would suggest as far as the bowls go and recurve compound um really it doesn't matter um it's more of a personal preference the recurves tend to be a little bit lighter um however the disadvantage is if you're shooting from a boat is that they're a little bit longer so you have to worry about the railing on the boat um, but there are a lot of people that use recurves and, and use them exclusively for bow fishing. Now, what, um, now what's the difference between uh, the compound bows that you guys are offering for bow fishing as opposed to a typical, um, you know, hunting compound? You've optimized for um, smooth draw, uh, minimal let off, and, and a lot of snap shooting occurs. You know, a lot of times, maybe in a bow fishing situation, you're not necessarily going to get that uh, bow to full draw 
uh, maybe if a quick shot opportunity presents itself. So your your bow fishing bows are kind of optimized to perform well uh, in those kind of scenarios. Do I have that right? Yes, exactly. Um, and that's where that's where recurves um, have an advantage too, because there is no draw stop. You can shoot it at half draw and, and whatnot. But um, our bow fishing bows and a lot of them are, uh, that are out there now um, are also being made that way where you, you can shoot them like a recurve. You do not have to come to a full draw or, or the, and, and they don't have a rollover point on them, which, which can cause you know, a little bit of an issue. You can get used to that rollover point on a, on a, on a regular bow, but um, it's nice to not have it because, like you said, oftentimes you're shooting, um, especially at night situations, you're shooting sometimes right alongside the boat. Um, you know, there are cases where you're shooting longer range, but um, that is the nice advantage of having a bow that can that can sh- shoot at any draw length is um, is just being able to snap shoot it. Plus, the other advantage is a lot of times in bow fishing, if you're rigged up and you have a boat, um, or you people start knowing that you are are bow fishing and are into it, you're going to get people asking, well, can I come along? And the nice advantage with these bows with, um, with, with the snap shooting and, um, you know, no rollover points, um, anybody can grab that bow and shoot it. Mm-hmm. If they can pull the draw weight, they can shoot the bow. So um, it's a great way to help others get into the sport as well. So... <clears throat> In terms of a, a, a cost, it really can run the gamut uh, from, like you said, maybe a bow that you could find uh, at a garage sale for maybe 10 or $20 all the way up to perhaps uh, a few hundred dollars for a top-of-the-line um, bow fishing uh, compound that's out on the market today, correct? Correct. Um, our bows range from, I think, um just over $200 for the bear bows from the from the youth bows up to um, I think our fire eagle our 50 pound bow is right around 380 and there's some other bows available on the market that might might, might go up to the $500 range but um, usually they're $500 or less for a, for a new bow fishing bow that's that's made specifically for for the sport um, but like I said you know and like you said you can you know, if you find a, a used bow or something that's comfortable and fits you too, that's that's perfectly fine for bow fishing as well. Now let's talk about the other equipment that you need for bow fishing in addition to your bow. And, you know, it's really not all that much. Um, obviously, you've got to have an arrow, and uh, fish arrows are um, quite a bit different than you know, the hunting arrows that uh, most of us use in the, you know, in, in the field, um, you're basically talking about uh, solid fiberglass type shafts uh, with no fletching, and uh, they tend to be uh, pretty heavy uh, for durability and for penetration, you know, through the water, um, mm-hmm. and, and a fish point, obviously. Talk, talk to me a little bit about, you know, bow fishing shafts and, and the kind of points uh, that you'd need uh, to get the job done, as well as um, you know, obviously attaching the the bow fishing line to the arrow too, and your safety slide system, which is kind of an industry standard out there for for uh, you know bow fishermen. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, arrows, like you said, arrows um, for bow fishing, that, and that's I think one of the hangups for um, bow hunters getting into the sport is that the arrows are maybe quite a bit different than what they're used to. They're used to going with really light arrows. Um, to get higher higher speeds out of the arrow, but um, in bow fishing you don't 
that's not really that important. Um, you want the weight of the arrow. Um, fiberglass shafts range from um, 900 grains to 1,200 grains just for the shafts, and the points can range from 200 grains to five, 600 grains themselves. So you're looking at a, you know, a, a 1,200 to 1,600 grain arrow. Um, but you want that weight to penetrate the water. It helps helps with the wa- helps penetrating the water, um, and your arrow isn't, of course, flying as fast. It's, you're not going to get 300 feet a second out of out of a bow fishing arrow on any bow, um, but you don't need that. Um, and also, there is no fletching on the arrows. Um, some manufacturers do put some lay flex plastic things on, but we recommend not using fletching at all. Um, the line that's attached to the arrow does help stabilize the, the arrow flight. Um, that's a misconception too that bow hunters have is there's no fletching it's not going to fly good well they do fly good and you can tune the arrows um, really good without fletching on them Um, and then the safety slide like you said um, is something we've came up with about 10 years ago Um, and it's it's a device that slides up and down the shaft of the arrow and is designed to attach your your fishing line to the arrow because of course if you're fishing you shoot an arrow, you want to be able to retrieve your arrow or, or you're going to go through a lot of arrows. Um, and you also need a way to bring your fish back in. But the safety slide, what it does, you attach your line to the slide, and when you draw the bow, the slide, um, the, the shaft slides through the slide, and the line stays completely in front of the bow when you shoot. So there's no line that comes past the riser or behind the cables or anything like that or the arrow rest. So there's there's no chance of it catching on any of that, um, any of that equipment that's behind the riser. So when you shoot the slide, uh, the, excuse me, the shaft slides again through the slide, and there's a stop pad on the back of the shaft. And what that does, it it allows the line to follow the arrow for good arrow flight. Um, you do want the the line to be following the arrow. You don't want to attach it to the tip because that will pull on the tip and and cause the arrows to dive. So you want the arrow, or the, excuse me, the line to follow the arrow when you shoot. So that's the purpose of the safety slide is, is, is not only to keep it, keep the line in front of the bow when you shoot, but to allow the line to follow the arrow. Mm-hmm. And um, you talked about, you know, the heads a little bit. Uh, typical uh, a bow fishing head is, is some sort of a, a sort of a, a one-way type of. Um, I don't know what you'd call it. A barb isn't quite the word, right word, but basically what I what I'm trying to say is, you know, it's got a couple of uh, uh, pieces that come out on the side that kind of fold down in while the arrow is flying forward, and after that goes through the fish, they pop out and basically serve as a as a stop so that the the arrow obviously can't pull back through the fish, so that that way you can reel the fish in. I did a pretty bad job of explaining that, but talk to me a little bit about your basic carp fishing point, and then, you know, maybe some of the other things that are out there for different kinds of uh, bigger bow fishing game. Sure, sure, and and actually, the the it is what we call them. It is they are called barbs. Every bow fishing point does have barbs on them, um, in some fashion. Um, there's a large variety of points available. Um, but typically, on a bull fishing point, what you're looking for is um, something that creates a small entry hole and exit hole, and barbs that that open wide to hold the fish on. 
um, and then they release quickly when you get them in the boat, so you can you can take the arrow out quickly and easily. Um, there's different bar, there's different points that are better for different situations. Uh, one thing to consider when you're looking for points is the type of water you're shooting into. Um, bow fishing arrows, another reason they're they're solid shafts and they're they're um, heavy duty arrows is because you're oftentimes shooting into the bottom of the lake, um, so they have to take the abuse of of shot after shot into the bottom of the lake or hitting stumps or hitting rocks and, and that type of thing. So the points also are made to do that. Um, so what, if you're shooting in the rocky areas, um, you want to look for a shorter stellar, stellar point. Um, and there's a couple different mechanisms as far as how the barbs release. Um, you have to look at, at how they release, what's what's going to work for you. Um, and just like broadheads, they're, it's more personal preference. Um, but um, there's also points available for, you know, more trophy-type points where there's really good holding power, but there may be more, it's, it's more of a hassle to get the fish off um, where you might have to remove the, the replacement tip completely to take the, to take the fish off. Mm. Um, those, are, those are typical trophy-style points because they're meant for shooting a handful of fish or a handful of big fish and not wanting to let them get loose and rather than shooting a high number of fish where you want to get that fish off quickly and, and shoot another one. Gotcha. Now, as far as other equipment that we need is basically, uh, I think I can only really think of three other things, which would be your line, your rest, and your reel. Um, talk to me real quick about, you know, the type of fishing line because it's not it's not monofilament fishing line like we typically think of for, for fishing and uh and then as well as your rest uh tell me a little bit about your wave rest system that you guys have and as well as your retriever reels and how those work uh, in conjunction with your bow sure um bow fishing line of course if you're shooting an arrow out um and arrows can range from 10 to 30 dollars um depending on the shafts and the points and all that um, but you're typically shooting the same arrow over and over and over again. You're not buying them by the dozen. You're buying them by the single arrow. Um, but you, you want heavy lines so that you can retrieve that arrow. Um, you want to be able to pull it out of mud and dirt and, and whatever, and you want to be able to get that arrow back. Um, and, and so you do typically use heavier line. And depending on the style of reel you're using, you can use anywhere from 80-pound line all the way up to 600-pound line for big game. Um, and is that it's like normally a, normally a braided nylon or something like that? It, yeah, but that's what I was just getting into. It's um, our standard line is um, typically like a braided dacron. Um, we also have a braided spectra line, which is um, a lower stretch line. Um, it takes a little bit more abuse for um, sharp or tough-skinned fish like gar, which mm-hmm. have very sharp skin, mm-hmm. so it's less likely to cut on their on their scales and things like that. Um, so there's a, those are the two main types of bow fishing line that are out there that, that people use is the braided spectra and the braided dacron. Um, but they're typically, typically around 200-pound line is kind of a typical standard for regular bow fishing, and you get into the higher poundage. Um, line for for special situations or for big game bull fishing um, for like sharks and alligators and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what else were we talking about? The uh, arrow rest. rest. The arrow rest. You need um, with the heavy arrows. Um, you you want a, a stout 
simple rest that um, can support the weight of the arrows. Um, typically, you don't want to go with with a uh, standard style hunting rest, um, just because of uh, most of them available now for hunting are drop away style rests, um, which those will work for bow fishing, but they're a little more cumbersome. They're meant for you know slower draws and things like that. You want something that you can shoot with quickly. You want something that holds the arrow well. Um, you don't want to use the old style, if you remember 10 years ago or so, the flipper-type style or the plunger-type rest. Mm-hmm. Um, those will not hold the weight of an arrow. Um, so you want to look for a specific rest that's made for bow fishing, like our wave rest. And, um, and, and the, it, basically for, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with the wave, it really... It couldn't be simpler or, or sturdier. It's really just, um, you know, a small housing with a, with a roller in the middle, basically. That, and the, there's a groove in the roller that, uh, you know, is sized for the arrow shaft to essentially lay there. And it just allows the, uh, just guides that arrow as it's leaving the bow. And, that, and that'll roll, you know, the, the shaft rolls, uh, you know, right across it on its way off the bow. And, uh you know, there's really, there's not much to it. It's sort of one of those things. It's, you know, ingenious in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, and that's the, that's the key to bow fishing is keeping things simple that way. And, um, um, you know, you, you want something, you know, the roller style rest is, is nice in bow fishing because of the weight of the arrows. Um, it rolls with the shaft instead of just sliding over the top. And then our wave rest has nice high sides. So when you, when you swing, a lot of times you might be following a fish that's swimming in the water and you want to swing and shoot at the same time, um, or you all of a sudden see a fish and you, you, you jump and you got to move. Um, you know, it helps holding your arrow on the rest. So um, those are some key things looking for when you're looking for an arrow rest. Um, you know, simplicity, simpl- simplicity and how well it holds the arrow um, when you're moving and, and holding your bow in different positions and things like that. Because uh, keep in mind, you know, like I said before, sometimes you might be shooting straight down the side of the boat. Um, so you do sometimes shoot in some awkward positions um, in bow fishing just because of where your target is. Mm-hmm. So, and then you're also oftentimes setting your bow down um, throughout the day or throughout the night because um, you need to set it down to handle a fish when you get it in the, in the boat. So that's where it's nice to have an an, an arrow rest or, or something where that's that's helpful for that. So, and then of course, uh, I guess you know the final piece of the puzzle for your for your bow fishing tackle is uh, is the reel, and this is an area where you know AMS bow fishing has you know certainly been at the forefront of innovation, and uh, you know there's a I guess a few different things you can do in terms of a reel for bow fishing. I mean, there's something as simple as literally uh, just a small spool that you mount on the front of the bow where you hand wind the line on there. And there's more traditional uh, sort of spin casting reels that are available. But your retriever reel system is is pretty uh, ingenious and it's unique uh, in the industry uh, just by the the way that it works. Why don't you explain the history of the retriever reel system? How did you guys come up with that and, and sort of give folks an overview of, of how that works and what makes it, you know, so convenient in a bow fishing scenario? Um, sure. Um, my wife's um, father, Jack Lassie, uh, Cindy's dad, invented invented the, the main retriever um, 
years ago after bow fishing with with the hand wrap reels like you mentioned and some spin casts and be, becoming frustrated with them the hand wrap reels are like you said you basically shoot and then you hand wind them onto a spool um you can imagine how cumbersome and and time consuming that is when there's fish all over and you can't get your arrow in fast enough um the spin cast reels we maybe were a little bit better um but you still have to push a button they can't handle heavy the heavy line um and if you forget to push your button or something like that, your 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 line breaks and you lose arrows quite often, and and the reels just don't hold up. If you you know, um, I know spincast users today that that go through numbers of reels in the season um, if they're using them. So the retriever was developed because of all the inconveniences with the other reels and other ways of um, bow fishing at the time, and it's really a simple system again. It just stacks the line into a bottle. Um, it doesn't wind it on a spool or anything. So the line isn't coming around in circles where it can, um, you know, you can imagine a jumping a jump rope where it's swinging up and down. If that's tied to the end of your arrow, that can have some effect on your arrow flight. So um, plus the, the, other, the other thing that's nice about the retriever is there's no buttons to push or anything before you shoot. Um, you set up your arrow and you shoot your bow just, just like you normally would and then when it comes to retrieving the arrow or the fish you pull pull a trigger that's near that's mounted near the near the, your bow hand and then you can turn the handle to bring the arrow back in um so it and then it just basically pinches the line between two rollers and pushes the line into the bottle and that's the simplicity of it and um and it works great. We have a lot of people using them throughout the country, throughout the world, actually, and um, and it's been a great system. Yeah, if you've never had an opportunity to actually, you know, use or see an AMS uh, retriever reel, you really you ought to go to the AMS Bowfishing website and check it out. They are super slick, and uh, like Jeff said, that you know your arrow is ready to go all the time because there's no tension on that line uh, which is basically just sitting there in the bottle and as soon as you shoot it's just going to pay out and uh, and when you want to retrieve your reel all you have to do is reach out uh, with your fingers and uh, grab that that little trigger mechanism that's basically next to your your bow grip right there and uh, just get your fingers around that and then you know grab the uh, grab the reel handle with the other hand and, and wind it in and it's quick and, and it's simple and you know what's amazing is you know when you first look at that you think that you'd think that the line would get you know tangled up in the bottle but I guess that's fairly infrequent that that happens huh yeah well it's kind of like um, um, you know if you, you shove the line in the bottle that the first part that goes in gets pushed to the back and and then when you sh- when you shoot the first part the last part that went in the bottle comes out you know so it's and you know works really well and um you know wet line is even better because um the line is a little bit heavier and and flows in a little bit a little bit easier so so it, you know it's a great little system and works works real well so um once you've got your basic equipment you know a lot of people might think that you know bow fishing maybe for the area where they are that there aren't many opportunities or maybe they don't have a boat and they think they really can't take advantage of it. Uh, 
how do you get started into bow fishing? You know, do you have to have a boat? Do you have to have, you know, some big body of water to, you know, to do this? Or can you can you get by, you know, on local creeks and, and on foot with a pair of waders? Or, or what do you typically see uh, in terms of people trying to, you know, get their feet wet uh, in this sport? There's um, really anywhere you find water in in the states you probably will find carp not far from it um, i mean there might be a few few areas where there's not so many carp but um but generally if you have a creek or a river or something um nearby there's probably carp in it somewhere um or something some type of rough fish that's that's legal to, to bowfish um and no, you don't need to have a boat to bowfish. I know a lot of people that wade, um, walk the shorelines, um, or you know, or find find little holes that the fish like to hold up in, and um, you just sit on the bank or wade in the water and and um, and go after the fish there. Um, boats do help, um, especially on bigger bodies of water, because of course you can you can cover a lot more water, cover a lot more territory. Um, but it's not something you have to have. So I know a lot of people wade or, or walk to shoreline starting out, and, you know, you don't necessarily need a, a special boat to bowfish either. Um, Flat-bottom boats are the most common because they're more sturdy because when you're um, bowfishing, of course, you're shooting a bow, it's easier to stand, and it's easier to see the fish if you're standing in the boat. So you, you, want, you want a boat that you can stand in. Um, but... Rigs can be as simple as, um, you know, I started bow fishing in, in two canoes we tied together with, with a 2 by 10 um, The canoe itself was a little bit too tippy to stand in, but tying them together made it really sturdy, and the 2 by 10 was some, was a platform you could stand on, and we hooked a trolling motor to it, and, and we'd go around that way. And um, it was a great little cheap way to get into bow fishing. Um, so boats don't have to be big expensive boats to, to start out um, just just work with what you have is basically all you need to do um, I've seen pontoons and you know even even bass boats and whatnot I mean some boats if they're pretty nice you might not want to get them get them too bloody or be careful be careful with handling fish in them but they'll work just as well now um, as far as the, the tactics and, and techniques and things like that you guys offer uh some instructional materials for people who may be, you know, new at bow fishing in the terms of uh, some DVDs and some other products, perhaps, to help folks uh, not only uh, learn what to do, but also to kind of get a taste and a glimpse of the excitement and the fun and the and the adrenaline that's involved in in the sport, right? Right, right. We have um, we have a couple of DVDs that we produced. Um, basically bow fishing trip to, that we've done um, over the years and have filmed and put those together so people can see some of the different species um, that are available throughout the country and um, you know and see where, where they where, where some of those might be and then also um, on the end of each each video we also have a 30 minute um, safety um, segment that basically goes through a lot of different aspects through the sport um, telling you you know the ins and outs um, from from how to tie your line to an, to an arrow to bow fishing ethics to um, boating and, and those types of things so 
um, and it goes through and it shows examples and, and explains some things as, as far as that goes. So I think that's really a, a useful tool for beginners getting into it to, um, you know, to, to know what to do or how to, even even as far as how to how to build a boat, you know, um, putting railings on your boat and things like that. So, so it is very useful to, for for beginners um, with safety DVD and and even just watching the entertaining part of the DVD, just watching how people bowfish. Um, and know. and you guys actually also uh, just recently uh, partnered up uh, in offering a bowfishing uh, video game as well, correct? Right, we um, we were a sponsor of the um, Shimano uh, Wii Extreme Fishing Game, which is um, it's a it's an angling game and a scuba diving game, and then there's also a bow fishing segment on it. So you can play that on the Wii, and um, basically just play the video game, and it takes you um, on the rivers and lakes. Um, you can shoot tournaments, and it has several different species. It has um, alligator gar, silver carp. Um, you name the species that's probably in it. So um, um, it's kind of a fun way to, to experience the sport without without actually getting on the water. So so yeah, yep, we did um, we did sponsor that as well. So now you know whenever you talk to somebody who's really into bow fishing, typically what what I hear is you know if you if you don't want to get addicted to bow fishing, then don't try it. Because once you try it one time, you're going to be completely hooked, and it's all you're going to ever want to do. I have a lot of people who tell me, you know, I used to be really into bass fishing or, or, or fly fishing or whatever, and then I, you know, I went bow fishing, and now I hardly ever do any kind of traditional fishing anymore because I'm just so hooked on this. What is it, Jeff, that's so addictive about the sport of bow fishing that uh, you know just kind of lights your fire? Um, it's it's fun. Um, you know, if you think of a regular angling, um, you know, you're, you're out there casting a, a bait and, um, you don't really know where the fish are. You're just hoping, you're hoping there's some fish in this area that are, that are hungry enough to bite your bait and, and whatnot. But in bow fishing, you're hunting. You're, you're not fishing. You're not fishing with a, with a rod and reel. You're hunting. You're, you have to visually see the fish before you can shoot it. So it's, it's kind of a, it is a little bit of a cross between the two because um, you need to know, um, you know, fish patterns and things like that, and, and the body of water and, and whatnot. So in that respect, it's different than hunting. But but realistically, um, if you're bow fishing, you're hunting fish is what what you're doing. So um, for whatever reason, it you know it it appeals to a large body of people. Um, it's more you're not just sitting there waiting for something to happen underwater that you can't really see. You're, you're actually looking to see the fish themselves. And even if you don't see the carp or anything else, you're you're getting to see a lot of different, um, maybe other species of fish, um, and a lot of different things in that body of water. Mm-hmm. And as you said, when you, when you hit things right, uh, a good bow fishing outing can be fairly fast and furious in terms of action, which again is going to be, 
not what we typically, you know, experience on a big game hunt where you're really spending a lot of time waiting for an opportunity, you know, at one particular animal. So, you know, you may hunt weeks and weeks for a for an encounter, you know, that essentially lasts 30 seconds to get the shot. Whereas in bow fishing, your downtime, at least when conditions are good, is pretty minimal. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of shot opportunities. And, and um and the other thing is, like we mentioned before, is it's not where you're sitting in a tree stand or stalking an animal and have to have to be dead quiet and, like you said, waiting for one shot. Um, you know, it's a, it's a carp. If you miss a carp, oh well, let's go find another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's the, that's the way it is. It's it's over and over and over again. So, and that is, you know, we do call it an addicting sport, and 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 it really is. I have, um, I know several people. I know a lot of people um, that that are, you know, I took them out once and they're hooked. Um, one of my employees here used to be a big walleye fisherman. Um, he hasn't touched a fishing pole in four years since he started working with us. Um, I have a, another friend of mine who's not a not really a hunter, not really a fisherman, but he's got a bow fishing rig and he's out bow fishing as much as he can. Um, so, you know, it attracts a wide variety of people. Now, there's also uh, some pretty competitive uh, bow fishing type uh, tournaments. Is is there actually like a pro tour or just a lot of regional tournaments, or or you know what's the status of bow fishing on the competitive side of things, Jeff? Well, there's there's more and more tournaments coming up um, all the time, and most of them are um, just smaller local tournaments. Um, maybe a local lake association puts on a, a carp shoot or a carp event, but there are um, many state organizations now throughout the country, state bow fishing organizations who are sponsoring and putting on bow fishing tournaments as well. And they usually have a, um, a handful of tournaments throughout the states that they that they are organized in. Um, and there's also a couple national tournaments, the BAA, um, and there's a new one. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it right now. <laughs> they just they just started up the last few few weeks to help help with some of these um, um, state organizations um, organize organize their events. But they have some more national tournaments. Um, we're holding our first annual um, tournament on the Ohio River in Brandenburg, Kentucky, this this August as well. Um, there is a, isn't really a, a pro circuit. There's been some attempts at um, trying to do something like that, um, but it, it's it's probably going to be coming along sometime. Um, you know, just it's just going to take a little bit to get organized. I think um, people have tried doing that, and I don't know how. I don't think it's panned out as well as they had hoped. But um, you know, there's most of the tournaments are based on local local events and things. Um, one of the biggest ones I know of in the country is in Caseville, Michigan, and they've been doing this one for. Boy, I want to say it's probably close to 30 years that they're they're doing this one up in Caseville. Uh, it's a two-day tournament, and they have to limit the number of teams to 250 teams, um, two-man teams. So mm. they get quite a quite a big turnout with this tournament. Now, what about yourself, Jeff? Uh, uh, you and Cindy, I imagine. Uh, I know you mentioned children earlier, so I know you have. Uh, uh, kids, how often do you guys uh, get to go bow fishing personally? And uh, tell me about some of the 
memorable bow fishing adventures you've had over the years because I know uh, you know in addition to probably thousands of carp you've had a chance to do some alligator hunting uh, perhaps you've had a chance to to do some saltwater bow fishing for you know game fish in places where those are legal tell me a little bit about your own you know bow fishing habits and and some of the some of the good times that you guys have had as a family well we try to get out as much as possible um you know, sometimes with the, with the business here, with our busy time here, it makes it more and more difficult every year because we're busier. <laughs> but the the advent of night fishing has helped us get out a lot because um, we can go fish a few hours at night and then you know still work the next day, or and gives you a little bit more more time that way. Um, but yeah, we've you know I, I try to get out several times a week if I can. Um, but we also do several different types of trips throughout the year um you know we've been out on the east coast shooting stingrays um the Kauno stingrays have, have become a very popular um saltwater target on the east coast in the summer um because they're they're kind of like the carp of the ocean um crab fishermen and clam fishermen don't really like them because they're coming in and messing up with their nets and their traps and they're they're way overpopulated in some areas when they migrate into the into the bays on the east coast and they can be a lot of fun to shoot because they're, you know, they're they're not necessarily a big big fish um, as far as big game. They're maybe kind of a cross, but with their big wings and things, they can really put a pull on the line. Um, yeah, they say it's like trying to reel a doormat up off of the bottom, right? Ex- exactly, um, exactly. And um, there's a couple different species of stingrays. The cownos, um have more of a pointed pointed wings, and they kind of like fly through the water where the um, the southerns are like a suction cup, and they'll suck, you know, suction to the bottom. But they're they're both a lot of fun to shoot, and they can be good eating too. So um, we've also been in the south and in Louisiana, and both Cindy and I have um, taken shark over eight feet long. Um, that to me is probably the most exciting um, trip, bow fishing trip I've ever, bow fishing species I've ever taken. Uh, just having the feel of the speed and the power of a of those shark was just incredible um however it's not an easy species to to pursue because um conditions have to be right um we we went after them in shallower water um a lot of times you may have to go in deep sea situations to get after them but um they're not always a guarantee where where in some other species yeah you know, so what kind of a, what kind of a shark uh, did you did you get? We both shot lemon shark um, uh, in the coast of Louisiana, and um, I don't remember the exact weight on mine. Mine was probably two seventy five, um, and Cindy's was I think two fifteen, but they were almost exact length. Um, and um, we saw a lot of different sharks, but I know there's um, you know you can you can take them on the west coast in louisiana there's different laws on sharks too so there's seasons and um you have to be in certain areas so um it might be good to to talk to people or um read up on the regulations before you do it that's got to be quite an experience standing on the edge of the boat holding a bow in your hand and on the other end of that line is a eight foot long shark oh yeah exactly Um, typically with, you know, shark would be considered big game, so we, we use our, um, our big game reels on them where, um, it allows us to put a float, a tracker float on them. Um, so we shoot the shark, all of the line comes out of the reel, 
and there's a slot in the big game reels where um, the back of the line comes out and attaches to a float. So the line comes out of the reel, pops the float off of your bowl, and then the shark swims away with this float on it. And we re-rig and go after and try to get a second arrow into them because, you know, it's not like hunting where you can, you, you want to take one shot and make a kill shot. Well, with an aquatic game, you can't really do that because you're not going to be able to follow a blood trail. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to put some type of tracker on it. And it's, it's, it's a similar system to what we use for alligators as well because um, if you get into a big alligator, uh, they'll pull you right over the side of the boat or you're going to lose your bowl, one or the other. So And you, and you really don't want to be in the water with an angry alligator or an angry shark. So with a shark or an alligator, you really wouldn't attempt to try to do any retrieval of either of those species until after the you had the second shot into them. Is that right? Right. What what we typically do on big game like that is um, you, you get your first line in and get your tractor line in. Um, and then you re-rig and you follow that flow around trying to get a second arrow into them as quickly as possible um, just as an insurance. Um, you know, because usually it takes a while to get that second arrow into them because they have a lot of fight and a lot of play in them. Um, but once you get that second arrow into them, you have two lines into them. It's kind of an insurance thing. Um, and then usually they're where they're wearing down at that point. And then at that point, we um, recommend taking a, a, a broadhead and and then placing it into the vital area when you can get them. When they're slow enough, you can get them alongside the boat and get a perfect shot on them. And, and usually with alligators, you try to shoot them directly behind the skull in the center of the body to try to sever the spine. And in the on shark, you try to shoot them in the vitals in the vent areas and try to get their vitals because you don't you don't want either of those species to be moving much when you bring them in the boat. Mm. And you've you've killed a pretty big gator bow fishing too, maybe more than one. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've um, um, our last trip was um, in 2008. Actually, Cindy got the big one on that trip. She got a 10 and a half foot gator. Um, mine was um, we guessed it to be a close to a 10 footer, but when we brought him in the boat, he had two feet of his tail missing. Um, but he didn't have the girth that Cindy's did, so um, she got the she got the big one on that trip. But I I've taken gators years ago as well. Um, we took 13 in one night uh, between my brother and I wow. um, on a on a, on a trip in to Florida, and gator season has really um, expanded in the country as well, and that's another thing that has helped. Um, it, it, I guess it's not really bow fishing; um, it, it, it is very similar to bow fishing, but you're more hunting gators. Um, but it's expanded in that um, a lot of the southern states have opened up seasons on them. Um, Georgia has has had a season now for probably five to seven years. South Carolina has had one the last, oh, probably three years. Um, I, you know, in Mississippi, is they're opening up more um, permits for gators. Um, Texas is now um, has, has a lot more gators available. Mississippi and all the southern states down there have more gators available. But... When you think of gators, you think of Florida because they have the, the highest number of them, and um, it's probably you know easiest to find somebody to to guide you or take you out in Florida than than anywhere else. So you've eaten your share of gator meat over the years. Oh yeah, it's, and we might even still have one package in the freezer. I don't know. <laughs> Tastes like chicken, right? 
Yeah, it's, it's a real stringy, tough meat, but there's, there's not much flavor to it, so um, not a bad flavor or not a good flavor to it, so you just flavor it how you want it, and, and um, you know, can be, it's, can be good however you make it. So um, you mentioned, you know, some of those other opportunities. Obviously, you did mention, you know, uh, you know, eat, eat, eating your shark. I'm sure you, you ate those. You ate the gator. A lot of people, of course, with the carp, yeah, most bow fishermen probably don't eat those things. Um, what's kind of your feeling on that? And uh, obviously the ethics of uh, proper disposal of uh, the fish that you'll take uh, on a given outing. Mm-hmm. That's that's one one of the hurdles the sport of bow fishing has is kind of public perception of that. Um, you know, any biologist or DNR warden is gonna is gonna say you're you're doing a good thing taking any carp out of a body of water, and most people see that and know that. Um, if people that don't understand that and see you taking um, you know a lot of a lot of fish out of the water and whatnot. Um, might think something differently, but we we try to tell people to um, try to find a use for them. Um, you know, they can be good eating. We've we've eaten some carp before where you smoke them, but usually bow fishermen take them in more numbers than what you can utilize. Um, another useful um, thing you can do with them is if you have some mink or fox or some type of small animal farm in the area. I've even seen crayfish farmers um, take them for food, for feed. Um, they're more than happy to to take them that way. It's free food for them. They don't have to buy food, and, and it feeds their animals. Um, I've also seen fertilizer plants take them for um, you know for fertilizer, and even even animal food, dog food, and cat food. Um, they'll take them for some some plants. Will take them for that. Um, but probably a, a lot of them do um, get fertilized either um, you know in somebody's garden or or in in you know landfill or, or somewhere like that and the main thing is for ethics of bow fishing is you know just be be um aware that people um you know just be aware of public perception and and you know if, you, if you're going to dispose of them make sure they're not going to be a problem for someone else right. you know don't throw them on the banks or throw them back in the water and some some states in our state here it is illegal to throw any carp back in the water dead or alive um, so you need to take care of them one way or the other. There are a lot of people out there that do take them and will eat them. I have I have um, certain people in the area that will take fish as well. Um, they just you know they don't always take them in the numbers that we that we take that we shoot them in. Right. So. Well, I, I tell you what, Jeff, it's a uh, it's a really really interesting uh, uh, game, and and it certainly provides a lot of recreational opportunity for people who are into, you know, either bow hunting or fishing, you know, because it is a hybrid between the two. And, and like you said, there's no closed season. There's always an opportunity to go do something somewhere. And, uh, and you guys have been a tremendous resource, you know, for the, for the bow fishing community. If, if people who listen to this show today, uh, aren't, you know, bow fishermen currently, but they're interested in, in giving the, the sport a try or learning more about the equipment and the resources that you guys have available. What's the best way for people to, you know, get get in touch with AMS Bow Fishing? Um, they can visit our website at um, amsbowfishing.com or they can call us at um, 888-541-7657. 
Well, that's great. And uh, again, I, I just want to thank you for your time. And uh, we, I think we covered an awful lot, you know, and it, really uh, the basics of the game and, and, and uh, you know, what people need to get started. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a good time of the year because spring's here. And uh, it, if people are looking for something other than turkey season to do between now and the fall, you know, certainly bow fishing is an awesome option and and there's other things that we talked about or we didn't even talk about too like uh you know you can shoot frogs with these things too in, in places yep. and uh you know there there's a lot of options out there and obviously it varies state to state and region to region so folks do need to kind of consult their their state wildlife agencies to see what is and isn't fair game in terms of bow fishing but uh that's really i guess about as much as you want to make of it really exactly well thanks jeff uh it was a good show i appreciate it i'm glad we had the opportunity to highlight bow fishing and uh hopefully you've inspired a, a bunch of uh new participants out there to, to give this sport a try because it is an awful lot of fun sure is yep it is a lot of fun thanks a lot jeff okay thank you christian yep bye-bye thanks for listening to peterson's bow hunting radio presented by easton's hard-hitting access arrows for more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.